As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. And when you hear the DJ scratch, that means we are back. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Burn and Return. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor Martin, and uh, I've got two fine gentlemen, Ray and Ryan, alongside me today. And together, the trio, the trifecta, actually, it would be the quadfecta if you include our producer, uh, Jay Pink, who is the man behind the scenes who keeps this whole thing together. Um, I, I was. You know, what Jay, Jay, you know what Jay Pink's thinking right now? He wants to drop one of those a new. Soundbite. He wants to do, yeah. He, you know, he would tell us right now if he could. <laughs> He'd probably tell us, J. Pink, what would you say if you had access to anything on there right now? This guy's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> he and referring all to all three of us. Yeah, referring to all three of us. That, <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> For people tuning in to Burn and Return for the for the first time, uh, what we do is uh, we talk about the things going on on the larger scale of our industry that uh, could potentially influence the things we see on the on the micro scale of our industry, right? So uh, we're going to cover everything from the green industry of of agriculture, pesticide use. Uh, 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 genetics all the way down to, you know, maybe a local story about some, some people out in Scottsdale, Arizona that, you know, need some help in some certain areas. And then, you know, we'll wrap it out by taking a couple of questions from the, uh, from the audience as well, and hopefully get caught up on some of those things as well. Uh, so boys, how about we go ahead and kick off this week's headlines? This is just the news indeed, and this first article is coming from Agribusiness Global. The U.S. EPA withdraws glyphosate interim decision. Uh, The U.S. EPA has announced withdrawal of all remaining portions of the interim registration review decision for glyphosate. Pesticide products containing glyphosate continue to remain on the market and be used according to the product label and are unaffected by this action. Glyphosate is undergoing registration review, a periodic reevaluation of pesticide registrations to ensure that existing pesticide products continue to perform their intended function without unreasonable adverse effects on human health or the environment. 
Under uh, FIFRA, which is the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act, each pesticide must be reviewed every 15 years. On February 3rd, 2020, EPA published Glyphosate Interim Registration Review Decision. Uh, the ID did not identify any human health risk of concern for exposure to glyphosate, but did identify potential ecological risk. The ID included interim risk mitigation measures in the form of label changes, including label to manage spray drift and herbicide resistance. It concluded that the benefits of glyphosate outweigh the potential ecological risk when glyphosate is used in accordance with the label. On March 20th, 2020, Glyphosate ID was challenged in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Petitioners challenged EPA's analysis of human health and ecological risk, the weighing of such risk against the benefits of Glyphosate, the interim risk mitigation measures, and alleged that EPA violated the Endangered Species Act. On May 18th of 2021, the EPA sought partial voluntary remand without vacatur of the ecological portion of the ID so the agency could revisit aspects of its analysis in light of EPA's November 2020 draft biological evaluation of glyphosate and recent court decisions for the other herbicides, among other reasons. Hang on. It ain't over yet. Uh, uh, the EPA has determined that withdrawal of the glyphosate ID is appropriate in consideration of the Ninth Circuit's June 17, 2022 decision. The agency is unable to finalize a new ecological portion in the registration review decision for glyphosate by the court-imposed October 1, 2022 deadline. Because of the time needed to address the issues for which the EPA sought remand for the ecological portion and satisfy ESA requirements, EPA initiated formal ESA consultation with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services and National Marine Fisheries Service for glyphosate in the uh, in November 2021. A consultation is ongoing. Moreover, before any before issuing any decision, EPA must first prepare a proposed decision, published for a 60-day public comment period, and consider any comments received. EPA cannot complete these processes by the court-imposed deadline. Uh, the EPA's underlying scientific findings regarding glyphosate, including its finding that glyphosate is not likely to be carcinogenic to humans, remain the same. In accordance with the court's decision, the agency intends to revisit and better explain its evaluation of the carcinogenic potential of glyphosate and to consider whether to do so for other aspects of its human health analysis. For the ecological portion, the EPA intends to address the issues for which it sought to remand, including to, uh, including to consider whether additional or different risk mitigation may be necessary based on the outcome of ESA consultation for glyphosate, Prepare an analysis of in-field effects of glyphosate on monarch butterfly habitat. Consider whether, whether there are other aspects of its analysis of ecological risk and cost to revisit. And consider what risk mitigation measures may be necessary to reduce potential risk following completion of analyses left outstanding in the ID. EPA also intends to complete ESA cons consultation with the services, make a determination under the Endocrine Disruptor Screening Program, and respond to an administration petition regarding glyphosate before issuing a final registration review decision. That is a lot of information at one time, but it's kind of parlaying exactly how we got to this point, right? So uh, this started way back when in anticipation of the 15-year review that happens to every pesticide under FIFRA. So no harm, no foul there. That is 100% normal. That's a check and balance system we have in place. Uh, and, you know, they started, you know, you've got to take comments from people on, on things that, you know, they have concerns about and address them and address them in the most scientific way you possibly can. And so that is what has started this. And due to a lot of these questions that uh, couldn't provide immediate answers or wanted additional proof uh, to, to co-sign whatever is coming out of uh, uh, the EPA's mouth, uh, like a consultation with the U.S. and Wildlife Services and the National Marine Fisheries Service, uh, just to make sure everything is by the book. So um, 
I, you know, this is really just saying that this is taking place in the background. Uh, we don't really have anything to worry about. They're expecting to have some sort of decision uh, coming up once uh, the, this is completed. The original deadline was October 1st, 2022. They're not going to meet that deadline because of uh, the additional consultation that's having to, to occur with the, other, with the other departments. And once it is, then they'll look at what kind of label changes may or may not need to be uh, written into the label. So there we are. Uh, this does not sound like, to me, that glyphosate is going to be going away uh, anytime soon. And in fact, I feel like this is uh, uh, almost a, a, a what I would consider like a net positive towards the negative press regarding glyphosate. Gentlemen, how do you think? Well, it's all part of the legal wrangling that's going on with this right now. So the Ninth Circuit held that they basically back in June and said that the EPA essentially uh, did not do their due diligence in reviewing and coming to the conclusion that uh, glyphosate is uh, not carcinogenic, right? So they yep. basically said, "Hey, you've got this. You've got this artificial deadline that we've imposed. So this is the EPA just as a formality saying, hey, 'Hey, we're going to withdraw this process and we're going to start over with our process.'" and re-review everything. So, Ray, it's actually interesting because if you go back and read the opinion from the Ninth Circuit back from June, there's a lot in there about the EPA uh, basically kind of bashing their entire process, right, that they use uh, not just on glyphosate okay. but on any on any other technical material, basically saying that they ignored evidence, you know, to the contrary, and that they actually used uh, and brought into to their opinion uh, the issue that, Jury trials have have found right in some of these civil uh, litigation cases and torts, right? That you know people were awarded ungodly sums of money because obviously uh, glyphosate caused their non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or whatever other type of cancer du jour. So, and it's a terrible thing. I don't want to. I don't want to downplay the fact that people are put at unnecessary risk in all facets of agriculture, all facets of the green industry needlessly in some cases because of poor training poor product selection poor safety practices everything that goes without saying that we do still have the need to use these products and there are still the lion's share of people out there using them correctly so i'm more interested ray in your opinion on the the epa's process right and how uh how this is going to go because it sounds like basically to a certain extent hey not only do we not agree with your answer, we don't like your answer, and we need you to do your homework over again. Write the paper again, you right? You know, yeah, write the paper again. Well, what this is an example of is politicization of science, okay? I mean, this is a case of, oh, I don't like your answer, so you're going to write that paper again, and you're going to keep on writing that paper again until I agree with your answer. Uh, that is not how science is done. That is how politics are done. And because glyphosate has been one of the most highly studied molecules used in the agricultural industry. And through all that study, there has been no concrete evidence of, you know, 
danger where I know within the agricultural industry, there are products that are honestly hazardous and the manufacturer will voluntarily remove them from market and the EPA doesn't even have to mandate it. And it doesn't even have to come to a lawsuit in some cases. The manufacturer just decides, you know what? This product is so crazy and there's something better to use instead. Let's not have this around because I don't want to be around when this makes somebody sick or this kills somebody. Roundup or glyphosate does not fit into that category of a product so bad that the manufacturer feels that it needs to quietly take it off market because I'm familiar with several active ingredients that were, in fact, quietly taken off of the market with no mandate. Yeah, and I think there's obviously there's always that give and take, right, between manufacturers mm-hmm. and all their other, and this is probably the part that a lot of people don't understand and nobody within government or the regulatory bodies will admit that there's horse trading that goes on for sure. Oh, hey. There's a lot of horse trading, re- yes. You want to re-register, you know, let's just say glyphosate, for for example. Well, that means then some of these other ones, like whatever, you know, I'm not saying that this is a one-for-one, one, but uh, chlorothalonil. Yeah, you know what? You know, we still have all the rose away. bushes. We still have all the rose bushes in residential. Well, you know what? We really don't like those rose bushes being on the label anymore, Matt. No more overspray. Yeah, that, that got to go. Yeah, that got to go away. And assholes. But <laughs> the. But you see, again, that is more political because this earlier today. I was having a discussion with somebody about exposure of people, humans, to applications to turf grass. And basically, what it comes down to is, for example, you say chlorothalonil, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. What EPA is interested in is what happens when a barefoot infant crawls on a turf area that just got sprayed with chlorothalonil. What happens? Mm. I don't know. Bean exposure is is not good. Obviously, uh, you know that's a that's a high point of uh, of absorption there. But yes. I, you know, I, but here we are we, again. This is glyphosate, though. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, in turf grass, how often is this applied as a blanket application? Um, in the South, you're going to see it a fair amount. Um, just uh, on dormant grass in general, I, you know, and mm-hmm. the, the, part, the part that really gets me about this and why, um, okay, is, is the fact that if if the leverage is is that the jury trial has made the determination of the danger, what are the qualifications of those on the jury to come to that conclusion? Right? Is is this the the art of court? Right? And I and we could we could totally tap into Jesse on this that there is a certain amount <laughs> of performative art that takes place in a courtroom uh, because you are trying to. Uh, 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 motivate people to think a certain way based on the evidence and strike them emotionally in such a way that they act on it, right? 
And so there's a lot of manipulation involved through performance. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's hard, in my opinion, to point at the court cases and say, well, that is, uh, that is an objective view and, and one we should, we should definitely give a lot of credence to when determining the fate of, of glyphosate, right? Jesse just said court is part of theater. Uh, so again, Thank you, I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for them to, okay. If they want to bash on it and they, and they say our process sucks, we are corrupt as hell. We need to re-review this. That's fine. That's a hundred percent fine. Let them re-review it. Let them consult with who they need to consult with. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've had again, the most research herbs out on the face of the planet. If there's contradicting research that comes out, then you know we've got we got a real shitstorm on our hands. But if if trials are repeated and we come to the same conclusion, then uh, the only thing we have on our hands is just more angry uh, people. And uh, and then at, at that point is how well can the EPA at all handle the bad press of an emotionally charged populace? And if we if we're caving to an emotionally charged, uh, angry populace uh, at the uh, 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 sacrifice of our of our modern agricultural system, and having to eat the feedback, uh, or or uh, not being able to eat due to the feedback, we're in a whole nother world of hurt here, and uh, and and it can turn sideways really quick. Uh, we're almost out of time, so we kind of got to fly through the rest of these these headlines here. Um, Mississippi State has released Celebration Hybrid Bermuda Grass. Uh, Mississippi State has officially released Celebration Hybrid Bermuda Grass. The new cultivar is the first release out of Celebration X breeding program, uh, which stemmed from the idea of cross-pollinating uh, Celebration Bermuda Grass with numerous attractive Bermuda Grass genotypes collected and maintained over years at Mississippi State to create new lines. The goal of the program was to take all of the top characteristics of Celebration while developing new lines with better cold tolerance, a finer texture, fewer seed heads, and less thatch. Fewer seed heads. Ooh. Uh, the Celebration mm. X breeding Time's program was initiated over. in... <laughs> <laughs> was initiated in 2014 as a partnership between Mississippi State and Sod Solutions, a turfgrass research development and marketing company. Um, so I have not used uh, Celebration Bermuda Grass, and uh, and so I this have. is a little. All right, talk to me, Ray. What do you okay. like about it? What do you not like about it? Okay, the original Celebration was a very deep green grass, required minimal nitrogen. However, the one issue that I could see or identify with Celebration is that that is a grass where if you overwater it, you overfertilize it, it quickly turns into a thatch mon monster. And Celebration, at least here in Hawaii, was touted as being a more shade-tolerant Bermuda. And it actually worked fairly well for the most part. The only caveat to that is when your celebration is cultivated under a, a partial shade condition. You must refrain from string trimming or excessively low heights of cut. And no scalping allowed because under conditions of shade, that scalping 
will turn into areas that simply fail to recover. So when you're dealing with celebration and shade, for example, my observation has been your mowing and trimming has to be totally on point. It almost has to be at green dock level. I, you know, it, I'll be curious to see, you know, Sod Solutions behind it. Sod Solutions is expanding. I know they just put in a, uh, a place near me here in Knoxville, literally like a mile and a half from my road. And, uh, and I'm curious to see with a little bit of hype train behind it, if it becomes a new push uh, by way of uh, Tiff Tough that seemed to have been the latest push in my area and, uh, and how it all plays out. So one to definitely keep an eye on here. Uh Nitrogen prices are going back up, boys, and uh, and natural gas isn't the only driver they're saying right here. And uh, it's it's hard to say that is entirely correct. There's a lot, a lot of things that are influencing uh, nitrogen and, and inflation in general. Uh, high input prices continue to be a pain point for farmers planting their 2023 crop needs, and nitrogen prices are now seeing a resurgence heading into fall. Experts say the price of natural gas is the only driver fueling the market as farmers look to book their fall needs. Nitrogen prices averted a major disaster on Friday when rail companies and rail unions reached a tentative agreement and avoided a possible strike. Even with the positive news, this chart from Stonex Group shows prices are climbing back toward the highs uh, producers saw last spring. Uh, one ag retailer in Missouri told AgWeb and Hydra's prices for falls were $800 per ton in the fall of 2021, $1,500 for spring of 2022, and farmers booking fall and Hydra's today are paying $1,325. So we're still up <laughs> a ton, a ton of money. Um, this is, I watch nitrogen prices pretty closely because it, it, it spirals into pretty much every other aspect of everything else we buy, or it's touched by other things that we buy and, uh, and can say without a doubt, it is, it is spiking. And the, the, the bad thing that was happening before is that when it fell so sharply, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the first part of July, there is. Everybody was scared to buy because they were still holding inventory from where it was, you know, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars a ton, and uh, and then all of a sudden it drops to like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars a ton, and you're holding that old inventory, and you're like, well, do I do I go ahead and double down now, or is do, you know do I lower do I lower my average contract price, or um, is it, is it going to go back up and I'm able to sell off what I have now? Do, you know, do, do you add, do you take away from your portfolio? It's it, there's, and no one knows what to do. Everybody's kind of freaked out right now. Uh, it, you know, commodity prices were falling. People were getting out of commodities. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's going absolutely apeshit again. And, uh, and you know, what do you do? So also on the flip side of this, uh, I can tell you from a manufacturing standpoint, manufacturer man, manufacturers for turf and ornamental are buying right now too because early order programs are coming up, right? And uh, and so when early order programs come up and they put that out and you send in all those uh, all that information as far as how much fertilizer you need on the year, guess what? They take all that data and they go shop the market to buy the cheapest nitrogen they can to put together those fertilizer blends that you committed to. Um, and uh, and and when this is accelerating right now, prior to the onset of uh, early order program, then you know again it's going to make for a really really uh, brutal spring for a lot of people. 
Now, take that into account with everything that's going on in Europe and the wild fluctuations of natural gas there and a lack of natural gas production occurring right now at home. Uh, And if I had to guess, we're going to continue to see LNG being shipped from the United States over there uh, at at record pace to help alleviate the global stress that's ongoing (laughs) right now, uh, especially given the strength of the dollar. Of course, we want to ship it over there, right? Because... Uh, you, you know, it's we're making tons of money, so it's the whole thing is just bananas. It is really, really bananas right now, and hopefully, something somewhere breaks. I don't know what's going to cause it to break, though. Um, I have no idea, and I listen to people who are much smarter than me, and nobody really seems to have a clear answer. Uh, you got half the people that are saying that it's uh, it's going to absolutely fall apart. You've got other people that are saying that it's just another rough patch, and uh, and you know who knows who knows what the truth is. Uh, boys, have y'all gotten invited for any early ordered programs yet? Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, it's just, it, it's all timing thing. You can sit there and try and time the market up on trying to buy fertilizer, and can you store it, can you house it? Some places are allowing you to buy an outtake later, but uh, not not very many. So, I don't know, I, I, I think it's going to be another case of, um, last year at least we saw it kind of coming, this year I don't know... I don't know. I guess I don't know if it will go higher or not, right? With um, what we're seeing in agricultural prices, right? Particularly in corn, if that, you know, how much of a mover of the market that's going to be. Like if, if guys are getting, gals are getting uh, big time profits on corn, do they sink some of that money back into, you know, nutrients for next year and get themselves stocked up? I don't know. Credit markets are tightening off a lot, right? So. You take that extra money and go try and money buy yourself cheap right equipment. Now. That's what I'm saying. So like it's there's there's gonna be a lot of hedging, and I think it's gonna be winners versus losers. Now, take this down to uh, not the main street, but the turf street, and I you know I don't think that we're gonna see a ton of volatility in the turf market. That's just my guess, right? Based on past experience here and hearing what other people are talking about coming into next year. In fact. You know, I've heard nobody that I know or trust signal anything uh, terribly out of the ordinary with fertilizer other than if you want to pay for it, it's there. But I have heard other things related to technical-grade materials, particularly in herbicides and a few fungicides that may become non-existent for a period of time, you know, uh, beginning next year. So, again, like that's the that's, – I think it's just – Again, as we talked about last year, it is a good time now to make sure that you've done all the right things to put a you know, cool season to, uh, to bed the correct way and also to make sure that what you're using is correct uh, and proper and you're not just going off of, well, that's the way we've always done it, you know? Yep. Uh, uh, and, and a really, really important thing you said there. Fertilize, we're not going to run out of fertilizer in the United States. Guaranteed. We're going to be golden there. Uh we are going to run out of cheap fertilizer in the United States. I'll say that, that if you're accustomed to buying a $10 bag of fertilizer, that is pretty much gone at this point. Uh, you might find some people that were lucky and bought the hell out of the dip and were able to get delivery of it um, and and get it on rail cars because there for a long time, you couldn't even get it moved on rail cars. You were having to move it all by truck. And that was during this ongoing negotiation on the rail side of things. 
and they say they have reached an agreement. We have some inside people, um, and I don't want to give his name up, but is um, uh, a member of a railroad union, the the largest railroad union that this is this whole thing is ongoing, and said it is it. It is a bad deal all way around, and uh, and they are continuing to vote against uh, 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 voting in favor of the strike, and uh, and and it, and it keeps getting denied, and 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 people aren't really happy with the terms that are being put forth there. So, yes, right now we're in the clear. Does that mean we're going to continue to remain in the clear? No, a hundred percent not. And uh, but uh, again, is that going to affect supply? No, it's just going to affect price. So it's there to get. It's just not going to be what we were used to in 2019, 2018, where you could get a 1002 bag of prodiamine for $16 to your door. That Again, those days are over. Now, on the flip side of this, the pesticide thing is a whole other world of pain. And, uh, and I don't think we have a, enough information there yet um, I have gotten multiple notices from people. I've had some people said prodiamine is going down in price. And I know they secured some sweetheart deals in order for that to happen. It was like a scratch my back, scratch your back kind of thing. And I think that's only in, in certain regions you're going to see that. In other regions, the supply is going to be so tight uh, that, uh, especially like you said, when you start moving over into the fungicide side of things, it's going to get weird. Um I hope I haven't heard anything specific out of New Farm. Um, I hope they get their shit figured out with whatever's going on between Australia and China right now, and and that so significantly hampered their availability this year. I hope we see a resurgence of that. I don't have any inside information on that, but other than um, if you're a, a regular New Farm user, I'd probably start asking questions because this year was a shit show <laughs> in terms of availability. And uh, don't don't get caught with your with your hands in your pants kind of sort of thing. And I promise you, the more information you can give your New Farm people up front, the better they can hedge for you and work for you to make sure you have what you need. They will be very appreciative of that. They are not going to think, oh, you're bothering me. They want that information from you. Well, and I'll, I'll say this too, and I know that this is probably we're way over time. But uh, another thing, especially this time of year, that you should be looking at if you don't participate in it and you don't know how it works, is look at early order for real. Uh, it's not for everybody, but you know you can get some really good terms, and I think more than ever you're seeing um, manufacturers step up to the plate to try and get people to uh, be enticed by these things because they need that to plan uh, their inventory, their manufacturing, and their uh, logistics, uh, which are all so hard for them right now, uh, it would be of your benefit. So reach out to your sales rep. Ask about that. I'm not shilling anything. We make no money on this, but, uh, you know, we don't want you to uh, we don't want you to get fucked. Right, yep. Matt? Just, just trying to help because cash flow is the name of the game, right? And, uh, oh, are we going to get a... Can we, can we get a GF nope. uh, soundbite sound Get there? fucked! <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the big All one right. here, the big one here, boy, I hope someone out there that is listening to this can give us some inside information. A misapplied herbicide to cause slow burn of greens temporary closes Rossbridge Golf Course. Uh, this is a Robert Trent Jones golf course in uh, the fine state of Alabama. Uh, 
Cannon said a thousand pound bag of herbicide fertilizer mixture was wrongly placed alongside other bags containing a green sand mixture that is used as a top dressing on the greens at oh. Rossbridge. That led to a mix-up two weeks ago that resulted in herbicide fertilizer being applied to 14 of the 18 greens instead of the green sand. Cannon said the herbicide fertilizer mixture should have been in a locked building with restricted access. He said it was meant for Bermuda fairways and not for the bent grass greens. You've applied not only the wrong application at the wrong time, but too much of it. What it does, So what it does is a slow burn of the turf grass. Cannon said he and Sunbelt President Mike Beverly were at the course Monday and said the greens were still playable, but does not expect that to last. Experts have taken sample of the soil and the turf to determine the level of the chemicals. They actually put all right, but you can see them slowly dying. Sunbelt is planning to test plots of cool weather grass on two of the greens to see if it is feasible for a stopgap fix. Sunbelt will try what Cannon described as a dry injection of charcoal to absorb uh, some of the chemicals and limit the damage. The course will close at some point, but Cannon said it is not yet clear when that will be. It could be any time between next week and next April. We don't know yet until we get through this process of trying to reverse the damage or grow a new temporary surface on top of what we have. Uh, Sunbelt was already planning to replace the vent grass greens with ultra Tour Bermuda grass in 2024. Cannon said the conversion will be moved to next year. He said the conversion will be an improvement. We know we can create a much more consistent, playable surface as the new Bermuda grasses are just ex uh, uh, exceptional. Okay, and uh, I, again, anybody out there that has some inside information on this, on what was applied, I would love, love to know. Um Boys, any guesses off the top of your head of what sand, uh, of what uh, fertilizer herbicide mixture was over applied to the greens? We speculated on Thursday that it may have been uh, may have been some Ronstar. I feel like if it was Ronstar, it would have been much faster. It would not have been a slow thing. Actually, it can be on the slow side if you have low enough temperatures because Ronstar is very temperature and you know sunlight dependent however you just uh, kind of put a little bug in my head because if it is in fact that slow you know what would mess up bent grass off horribly what's that, that? indesiflam on fertilizer like like a spectacle on on fertilizer what because i've seen spectacle damage to desirable grass and what happens is that two to three weeks after the application the affected area just goes into decline and it's not a fast browning or burning it starts as a yellowing because the roots have been pruned to holy hell the uh so this is a suburb of birmingham birmingham is literally hotter than the surface of hell uh it is a an absolutely miserable place to be in when it comes to humidity and heat and uh so i i think i think this indazaflame on fertilizer is is probably uh dead nuts on um i would just i would love confirmation of that because uh, uh to come through indazaflame on fer on fertilizer that would be perhaps an appropriate fall application to fairways and roughs, right? That would be an appropriate application. But here's where it gets sketchy is if you have a Bermuda fairway, Bermuda rough, and then you have bent grass greens, most of what you apply to the 
Bermuda areas can never go be onto or near bent grass at all. Especially not something like a spectacle on fertilizer. That's that's catastrophic. And by the way, here's what I know about reversing herbicide accidents. The more potent the AI, the more active activated charcoal you're going to need in order to even attempt to reverse it. So when you're talking about something like indazoflam where effective rates are maybe only like less than an ounce per acre or maybe even a few grams per acre uh you're going to need a lot of activated charcoal to make that uh, absorb and turn around and even be able to grow something like annual rye because uh annual rye or most of the cool season overseed grasses are extremely sensitive to indazoflam. So these guys like have got a, problems. I was thinking more like a Deer 35G Mini X to take care of that problem, but you know. Yeah. Demay, what is what is going on in the world of the superintendent right now? Um, he probably <laughs> made the call to go apply the sand, right? And and is it the assistant super who who went out there? Was it one of the grounds guys that went out there? You know who? They're all feeling the heat right now. But that assistant super and super, what do you think is going on in their mind? It's awful. I mean, it's a miserable existence, and I don't know. I mean, uh, I always I always say this is you know would you rather just get outright fired or would you rather work at a place where you know for through your fault no fault of your own perhaps. Nobody trusts you. I'd rather just yep. be going on down the road, boys. I mean, I understand that times are tough and, and, and things like that for certain people, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I It's, you know, it ranges. I don't know, um, you know, how long that person's been there, what their background is, anything like that, and I hate to speak ill of them. Uh, I, the, let me say this, is that nobody got up that morning to go to work and said, man, I can't wait to go fuck some shit up today. I mean, everybody <laughs> there. Yeah. So it was it was bad. You know, whatever happened was bad. Whatever really happened, we will probably never really know the full and true story. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, well, fortunately, I should say, fortunately, they do have a plan to rectify the situation. It's just going to be uh, some short-term pain right now. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, gentlemen, that is going to conclude our headlines. Uh, let's Let's talk about this week's Joe knows turf. Yes, he does. And turf facts we have on the menu for today. Demay, I'm sure you've got us lined up just a real doozy. So how about you take us into it? You know, I, I the the more often that we do this, the less that we have to search to try and find stuff, stuff sent to us, and you know, we just have to take it as it comes. And so, I was sent this one uh, here just within the last twenty four hours. I think I can't exactly remember when, and uh, I watched it, and I wanted to share it all with you, 
just to see first where it lands and then talk about a little bit. There's some Jono's turf uh, ease that we can talk on the backside about this related to the topic of this video. So, Jay Pink, without further ado, let's go ahead and watch this video from our good friend at Budget Lawns. <laughs> We'll, we'll get some if you don't agree, don't you're just denying it. But the pandemic sucked all the fun out of lawn care. Ooh, that's a strong... Uh, still exactly what I'm talking about. How much do you have to pay to get the fun sucked out of whatever you have? <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's go ahead. Inflation, inflation's high, buddy. About, and you're just in denial. The spring of 2020 rolled around and all of a sudden you have this abundance of time at home, stuck inside, and you look out your window and you think, man, my yard looks like crap. I guess since I'm home, I might as well uh, work to make it look a little bit better. But that little bit better just kept growing legs and it just kept getting more and more and more out of control. So before you know it, you've got a garage full of crap that you don't really want anymore. You spent so much money and time and sacrificed so much away from your family and doing other oh, things. Is just to Is he talking about himself or somebody else? I can't tell. I don't, I don't know. I'm worried about the guy, honestly, at this point. Is he okay? Make sure just, because he's, just because he's a Woo Pig Suey fan or what? I, I, listen, you can't, you can't. I understand taking the A&M loss hard, but this, <laughs> this guy is borderline dark at this point. <laughs> and typically, right, typically, if I, if I, you know, I, if I, if I'm going to go the road of darkness, I try to inject a little humor into it. But right, right now, I'm failing to see the funny in it. <laughs> All right, let's see what happens. Your grass looks like a golf course. Raise your hand. I know there's some of you out there that are thinking, "Dang, is he a psychic or something?" That sounds just like me. It really is kind of unfortunate, though, if you think about it. I became a homeowner in 2017, had right, never Jimmy, taken pause. care of a Now, let's go ahead and fast forward to that second clip. This is just him talking about his personal journey. You get some shirtless pics. If you're into that kind of thing, you're more than welcome to go ahead and click on the video. We're not going to show that because there's ki there's kids that watch. Keep your training show, up. Man. All right? Yeah, keep yeah, keep up, you know, whatever. Stay but, hard. You know, as, uh... This guy's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, we can't have fucking <laughs> kids watching his shirtless ass. I mean, it's just weird. All right? It's not fucking right. So let's go ahead and play the video. JPEG. You know, pre workouts, we're selling pre emergence. Well, not here on budget lawns, I'm not. We're not selling proteins and diet plans and weight loss calendars. We're selling Bermuda grass calendars and post emergent herbicides and super juice and humachar and all these other miracle things that are going to give your lawn a six pack. Pause. Now, this. Is starting to get a little personal. I like this. I'm guy. not sure. I am. I am into this right now. <laughs> I'm not sure where. Uh, uh, well, I'm not sure where he's going, but it's getting a little personal. He's he's going at Doc, and uh, I don't know what that has to do with budget lawns because let's be honest here, Doc has no budget for his lawn as long as you're sending him money. He you see is that Budweiser Doc. bucket up there in the yeah. top corner? I yeah, kind of want to fill one up and sit down with him, and we just and we just we just pound him out and have a conversation. I'd like this guy. <laughs> All right, just because he has a draw, and he's got a little draw in his voice, you dislike him because of that. Yes, you're right. I do. I know how you work. All right, uh, let's see. 
Clearly, uh, Doc, yeah, is not a budget lawn enthusiast. Doc wants you to spend as much fucking money with him as possible on your lawn. So you have two antithetical views here, so I'm curious to see where he goes with this. It's kind of annoying. I'm kind of envious of the uh, <laughs> the golf shit. community sometimes. I'm a golfer myself. Grew up as one on a country club. and Grew up on a country club. It's one of those communities that they don't care if you shoot 100 or 65. It's just all about having fun, throwing back some cold ones on the course, and just My enjoying man. golf. Where did lawn care go astray? Where did it get off course. I laughed at my video last week. Have you seen it? I'll leave a pause real quick before we go into this. He says lawn care went astray. How many people that participate in actively caring for their lawns, Ray and Matt, do you think actually watch YouTube and of that portion actually give a shit about what we say? In general. Not very many. I'm going to say 10% of people that, that manage their lawns watch YouTube content related to it. And of that 10%, another 10% give a shit what anybody has to say. So 1% of the active lawn community, roughly. And that's probably gonna, high. I'm going to guess. High. That's probably high. Yeah, that's a generous right. estimate, I think. <laughs> All right, so now he wants i think he went in on super juice here he had a whole video let's let's see what he's got to say here about super juice the link for it down below we're going to talk about that i've kind of just let my lawn go this fall and it's okay because next year i'll get it whipped back into shape in no time i'm a big believer in everything has its season you know lawn care has its season too much of anything any good thing can turn into bad so i've let my lawn go and we haven't had rain. It's been hot, unseasonably hot for September. It's starting to go dormant in the backyard from heat stress and drought stress. <laughs> After I give this big long spiel in the video about how I don't care, I, I get the comment from someone that says, for the record, that's not good to let it go into dormancy earlier from drought stress because it's storing up these carbohydrates and then it's gonna... <laughs> carbohydrates? See, even... It, even lawn care. We're talking about carbohydrates. Pause. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we are. Like, why? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't okay. think anybody's suggesting the keto diet for lawn care. Uh, but he, he, you know what? You know what's really going to there's a, annoy a science me aspect to this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Ray. You know what's annoying me about him is how. He just takes oversimplification and dumbing down to a high art. I mean, that is my objection to him. And that, and, 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 hey, if we, if we do take a look at this from a 30,000-foot view, he is budget lawn care, right? And, and I would say that what he is shooting for is, is simplification. And I'm with you there. It 100% grinds my gears. And I've said it a thousand times. Oversimplification is devaluation. And, 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 I, and I've got nothing against this guy. I have no idea who he is. Would I, would I watch a piece of content titled Budget Lawns? No, because that's not the type of thing that appeals to me. If someone wants to talk about carbohydrate stores and turf grass, I'm probably going to watch that because that's – the aspect of growing grass that does interest me, right? So, I, 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 
I'm trying to relate to the guy here because let's keep going and then I'll, I'll explain why. Why? I thought carbohydrates were part of a diet plan. You want to lose some weight, cut out the carbs, get rid of the noodles and the breads and the, the white stuff. Now I'm getting lit from someone in the comment section about carbs and lawn. Were you even listening? We're crying out loud. Hmm. But I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see it. People starting to realize that um, they fell down this dark black hole, this rabbit hole of nonsense throughout the pandemic. And I, and I don't know how much further he's going to go into this, but I'll, I wanna, I'm going to get this out there now because I know exactly where he's going. Um, there is, I have talked about this before. There is a certain point in everyone's lawn journey that, that is hyper-specific to YouTube where you realize that everything you thought you believed gets upended, and then you don't really know where to go. And it's like going through the five stages of grief. And I can't recall off the top of my head what the five stages of grief are. And I, and I have said um, uh, this uh, uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, right? And at first you're like, no, certainly I'm not being used as a tool in the cog to keep this sales train going. And then it's, I can't believe I'm being used to do this. And then it's like, well, maybe if I just stick to what I want to talk about, I don't get used in such a way. And then it's like, you know what? Just fuck it all. I'm going to, I'm going to burn every bit of it to the ground. And, and I think a perfect example of this, and, and Joe, I say this with love, is the, the, the lawn warrior went through this, I mean, every step way of, 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 of the way. And, and then, you know, where, where he was in that, uh, in that uh, I, I would call the, the depression, I wasn't actually depressed, but the depression stage is, you know, like where you started seeing Joe with rapid fire content out that was directly attacking uh, whoever Time's it was he, he was he was going after. It. it is not over yet. This is my show, damn it. And we're going to continue <laughs> to talk about this. I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a callback to Sunday. Um, but it, he's he's going through the five stages of grief here where he realizes that he has helped participate in the perpetuation of whatever bullshit that he now sees as bullshit. Whether he was intentionally doing it or unintentionally doing it, now he feels like he, he got suckered into it. He suckered himself into it, and he's banging his head against the wall, and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And so in response to it, that's why he's given this soliloquy here about... Just, I mean, literally, the guy's going full scorched earth and just and and just shooting flames over. I did the same thing. Have you ever seen my Air Eight video? I mean, it, at at the time, and I remember like the shit I was going through psychologically, knowing what was going to come my way to do it. And and my point at the time was, I was like, I helped perpetuate this. I helped perpetuate the the uh, the 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 liquid fertilizer whatever weirdness. I helped perpetuate the carbon X shit and the union and the yard mastery thing and all of it. I helped do all that. And so how do I pay penance, right? And it was like, well, shit, I don't know. Let me just start by setting everything on fire and then I'll sort through the ashes after the fact with a with a with a sieve and see what tangible pieces are left. You know, maybe there's a little bit of carbon left over that I can I can make something called pink fucking venom out of, you know, three or four years down the, load, down the line. I don't know. My, 
but again, I and I uh, there's something about this that just because I've been where this guy is emotionally, I, and I'd say this is going to be two totally different things. Like the shit I was dealing with and the shit this guy's dealing with are not even on the same spectrum. However, emotionally, I feel like we were kind of in the same place. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I think that's the, the, the whole, the whole point here is regardless of why the yard's bad, why people got into it. I think part of this is commentary. Part of this is fact. The, the part that's commentary is this, is that I think it was great uh, that people had a chance to connect and figure out what, what brought them pleasure because uh, you know, how much of what we did pre pandemic was just, you know, literally running as fast as you could in the hamster wheel and going and doing that over and over and again. And I think a lot of people figured out, yeah, you know what, I don't like that, and and got into something that they now enjoy. And I think, too, if you have this unhealthy obsession with anything, I don't care if it's your lawn, with fitness, with uh, there's there's too much of a good thing for sure, right? With whatever it is. a doubt. So if you need somebody on the Internet to tell you that you need to have a little balance in your life and, you know, go see your children instead of, you know, mowing the lawn for a second time that day, right, then go for it. But if you need somebody on the Internet to tell you, you know, to not mix up pesticides in your uh, sink because, you know, you want to try to make a buck or uh, that you are uh, trying to sell pesticides that aren't labeled for residential turf or anything like that, come on here because we'll be the guys that tell you that on the Internet. That's what we're here for. Those are the facts. Oh, hang on. I may be both of those, as a matter of fact, because, uh, you know, I, I warn people about the dangers of cocaine regularly. And uh, and I'm also the kind of guy that, you know, I have to listen to David Goggins or Tony Robbins make fun of me and humiliate me in order to motivate me. You, you know, so it's it's kind of the same thing. And I, and I feel like in one instance, this guy is trying to tell himself to go touch grass, not treat grass. Right. Like actually enjoy if you know fi- find something that he enjoys and and what this may has be- have become for him is something that he doesn't enjoy and i and i think the piece that has spoiled it for him is the youtube part of it to be honest he is beginning to realize he does not like the youtube part of it he enjoys talking to the camera he enjoys producing content he doesn't enjoy the ripple effects that occur from it right he doesn't enjoy the the persistent emails he gets. It's like, you dumbass, if you just applied Humic 12 to your yard, it'd be green again. And I, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on, on Perry here. I'm not, because I know Perry doesn't want people doing that either. Like, John, John is not out there, like, sending out secret cabal emails that is in, in a group email. It's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Here's a list of videos you're going to get in the comments, <laughs> and you're going to email every one of these people, and you're going to tell them that they're all a bunch of suck-ass people for not applying humans. You know, that doesn't occur. John, John's, I know John very personally, and that, that is not the way he's going to go about that. Uh, so, but it's a, it's a weird kind of cultish thing that does occur, and, uh, and, 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 and this is why I, I, I don't know. I'm going to start speaking in circles here, but, um, the bottom line I'm, is this, but the, here's the bottom line is if you want a less intense, less impactful, less costly way to maintain your lawn, there are ways to do that. And honestly, you can get, you know, some of that, maybe not all of it, most of it, a fair majority of it here. 
Because all we're telling you to do is do the basics right. Anybody wants to turn the dial up past the basics, we'll tell you how to do it. But if you're not doing the basics right, you know, and you're calling in, you're not re- swearing yeah, you're at not us, us how to run the show, then. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you're not ready. I mean, you're not ready. For you see, that is, uh, yeah, that's just something where I think he's telling everybody what's wrong but at the same time my other objection is that he also doesn't tell people how to do it right either because if i'm going to tell somebody what they're doing wrong i'm also going to tell them what i think is the way to do make things right as well and you see it's not useful for somebody to sit up there and say oh you're doing too much to your grass. Well, then you know what, sir? Do tell me exactly what I need to do because, like I tell my customers, I am terminally lazy, okay? I'm terminally lazy, and my terminal laziness will cause me to only do what's absolutely, totally needed. And and part of his frustration may be that he doesn't know that part of it. He knows enough to know that the the idea that – let me clear this up. 94% of people out there can get bags of urea and make applications to their yard and have – lights out banging ass lawns applying pre-emergent <laughs> a little post-emergent weed control and a little bit of urea now it all comes down there's a lot of nuance and timing of those applications and that's where the complexity starts to dial in and that's why we say oversimplification is devaluation because yes you could do it with just a bag of urea but there's some challenges that go along with it as well too right but again 90 90 plus percent of cases are going to be absolute without a doubt winners with just a bag of urea. So that may be the part where he may know it can be done with a bag of urea, but he doesn't understand the intricacies of how to get it done with a bag of urea. And that may be playing it. I'm speaking out of my answer. That may be playing into a bit of this uh, uh, kind of scorched earth approach that he's, that he's, he's, he's adopted here, that he's frustrated. He doesn't know how to communicate that part of it, but he knows that the insanity that we're seeing on YouTube is probably not it. Well, listen, I want to leave it like this is Travis from budget lawns. If you ever want to come on the show and talk to us, yes, come on down, brother. Let's hear it. Yes. We hear, we hear the pain in your voice, right? We know that that black hole that you're talking about, you're all the way down in it right now. Right. And the only thing you can do Travis right now is look into my eyes. I'm looking at you from the top of the hole. Put the lotion on, grab my hand, come on up. I 100%, dude, I will have you on in an instant. You're talking to another SEC boy. Go Vols, by the way. And, again, I'm sorry for your A&M boss. Your top 10 I Vols! I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it feels like to not be undefeated right now. So, um, But, but it's, it's all in love. Okay, this is too much. Uh, let's right. go straight from, from shilling to shill ourselves. And, and I, I want to say this, too. There is a reason why. I do not shill my fertilizers on this show, really, or 
uh, at, 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 at all. Now I do do some social media stuff with it because it's, it's a lot of fun and a lot of it. I'm just stroking my own ego because a lot of people told me I could never do it again. And I did. Uh, but there's a reason why is that, uh, in, in the, the, the reason why is that again, what I want to accomplish here on this show with these guys is the fact that exactly like we said, with a bag of urea, 90 plus percent of the time, that is going to be all you need to succeed from a fertility standpoint. But again, a lot of nuance that goes on to it, and that's why we're going to do that. But the reason why we do this that we that we do and we keep it in such a way is uh, is is because of of the we want to remain as honest and unaffected uh, by the rest of the world out there. And the way we're able to get that done is with our our patrons. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash burn and return. Uh, we are so forever effing grateful that we're able to keep doing this and the cool things that we get to do because of it because if you think we're taking this patron money and just lining our checkbooks right now first off at these at these types of prices there ain't there ain't no way in hell we'd be lining our our pockets but what we're doing with it is we are investing this right back into uh uh airplane tickets and all kinds of stuff so we can all come together for our our meetup that we're that we're going to be having here oh and i don't know uh, a little less than four weeks. We're all going to get together. Ray's coming in. Ryan's coming in. There's going to be a plethora of people in the Patreon that are all coming together. We're all going to go to jail, and we're going to laugh about it and take all kinds of pictures, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. And the great thing about it is that we all get to come together and talk about the things we enjoy talking about, like um, what it feels like to get lumped into the uh, the, the dark hole that, that Budget Lawns is and the things we had to do to get out of it. Travis, again, I'm harping on you here to come on the show because I promise you, buddy, there ain't nobody in internet lawn care that has gone down a dark hole as I have, and I am here to commiserate with you, buddy, and uh, so so please come on. And, and again, it's because of our patrons that we're able to do this and talk about it so freely and even invite people to come meet us in person to be able to have these types of conversations and have real heart, heartfelt conversations, sometimes over choice adult beverages, sometimes over cheap adult beverages. It doesn't matter, but adult beverages will be had. So we're so appreciative <laughs> to you. Um, with that said, let's check out this week's Burns. Uh boy, boy. Uh, the first one here, and this does not go. This is not going to make sense as to why I put it in into the burns, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try and and bring it full circle. And this is gonna be from the Genetic Literacy Project. And listen, if if I get one more email on a source check on the Genetic Literacy Project, uh, I I will snap on you like I did Justin Dawson. Listen. I understand that this is skewed to the point of being extremely pro-pesticide. However, what is skewed to the point of being pro-pesticide is the fact that it is listed with a ton of citations to co-sign the shit that comes out of their mouth. Okay, And there's not a lot of sources that are either pro-pesticide or anti-pesticide that do the amount of citations that the Genetic Literacy Project does. And until there is a rivalry faction that does so without manipulating data like, uh, oh, oh, what is the... Um, what is the, what is the one the EWO I think it was that uh, that completely rewrote the rules as far as uh, what is an acceptable level of, of glyphosate? You know they they reduced it to like by a hundred and said this is actually you know the the tolerable limit versus what the EPA which was like a hundred x of what 
of of what they determine. So again, this is not data manipulation. This is this is just uh, this is just kind of kind of stating the way things are, and it reads like this. Uh, moderating agricultural pesticide use is a good idea, but only if it helps in, uh, balance environmental and economic realities and is uh, not just an ideological exercise, which is interesting because this sounds very much like something you would not read from the Genetic Literacy Project. The e- and then they take it right back right here. Uh, the EU is going too far in its control of pesticides. The commission is updating the 2009 Sustainable Use Directive and upgrading it to a regulation. So far, so normal. More rules, more red tape around the use of pesticides. In fairness, the use of pesticides does have an impact on the environment, and it is right and proper that their use is monitored and controlled. The issue with the proposals is how far they go in their desire to control and limit the use of pesticides. It is also clear that any benefit from the regulation will be marginal, marginal, and the habitat loss has a greater impact on the environment than the, the pesticides have. In summary, all pain with little or no gain. The proposals as they stand completely ignore 40 years of ongoing EU regulation into the availability and application of pesticides. Pesticides available today are completely different animal to the range available 40 years ago. Regardless of how effective a pesticide is, its impact on the wider environment is the arbiter on whether it is available for use. This is as it should be, but the proposals ignore this. This is an excerpt. You can read the original here, and it goes on and on. Uh, and we'll have a link to this in the show notes that, uh, that has has a lot more information there. Um and, and so why this specifically was a burn is, is this line right here. The issue with the proposals is how far they go in their desire to control and limit the use of pesticides. And I think it goes even a little further than that. And I think the, the main burn of this is that where you're going to see the EU get real weird is like they're going to start criticizing other people and acting like they're not going to allow things from other countries that utilize these pesticides into the country until they start running out of it. And then all of a sudden they'll start allowing it kind of sort of deal, right? Uh, and I think case in point is where there uh, uh what demay do you remember the issue with the eu and africa here uh, most recently where uh the 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 eu was like uh uh, uh no we're not going to accept any more uh, uh grain i remember crop. it yeah i remember and, it uh, and what, what was <laughs> what was the kind of double-sided edge sword to that ray if you recall okay what what the issue was is that this involved Pesticide residues of pesticides that were essentially banned by the EU but still used in Africa. However, irony is is that due to the ban of the pesticide within the EU, that crop no longer became profitable, viable, or practical to cultivate within the EU. So what do I always talk about? about how here we go again exporting all of the filth, the nastiness, and the toxicity to somewhere else. And then, because, okay, if it is in fact that bad, then my, my, my words to the you is, is to say, okay, you know what? If you don't like that, if you don't approve, then you know what? Then don't have the freaking stuff, okay? Whatever crop that is, go without it. Don't grow it in Africa and make the people suffer the bad effects of that pesticide use, for example, if it is in fact that bad. Make them suffer and then buy that crop back from them? No. 
You know what? That is hypocrisy. Not, not acceptable at all. <laughs> Demay, talk to me on this. You know, and this is what I would say. This is one of the things where you're going to see me let up on my libertarianism is to say, uh, I do agree the use of pesticides does have an in- impact on the environment, and it is right and proper that their use is monitored and controlled. Uh, that is one thing I will agree to. Um, now, uh, the, uh, the, the, the rest of this, as far as the red tape that is, that is becoming more and more apparent, how much of this do you think is necessity, and how much of this do you think is just, I don't know, give me, give me your take on this when you read it, just in general. In, in general, I mean, I think... I think there are. Uh, how do I want to say this? Is that uh, there's there's really three sides to it, right? There is the side that says that uh, you know the 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 mindset that hey, come get it and pry it from our cold dead fingers. You know th- those people have to go. Uh, I'm sorry, but like that's, times that's are changing. The, well, I'm just saying like that. <laughs> I'm those, kidding. They, I'm kidding. They kind of go. They 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 have to go and realize that there's going to be some stuff that we have to give up that being said the other side of this is what we always talk about right the velocity of change and the will and the capital and the desire to come up with better solutions right that put us in you know equal footing if not better footing when it comes to production for agriculture efficiency of uh of use of different products environmental fate you know, all these things, whether we're in turf or in agriculture, all have all play a big role, right, in the overall impact that uh, you know using or not using a particular product will have. Finally, the third part is the theater, right? The things that people need to get up and pound their chest about and say, "Hey, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z." Insert a reason, right? Uh, in trying to get things banned with little to no regard for the nuance of the situation the reality of the situation, and most definitely uh, those that will be affected by the situation. And so they will say that, you know, hey, it's it's a lot of fear-based stuff. It's a lot of stuff that, uh, quite honestly, doesn't make a lot of sense if you really break it down. If you ask them, you know, two or three or four questions of, well, why, it doesn't take long for that whole argument to tumble and fall to the ground. And so all I would say is, you know, we got to do better. I like the idea, though, and like the way that they put this is that, you know, uh, the science over the ideology is what's got to rule the day. We just talked about a court case where maybe there's a little bit of a, a, you know, a crossing of the streams right between those two things. And I'm interested to see how that works out. I think that'll be a good litmus test to see what happens in the future here. But, uh, you know, we have to we have to somehow and I don't know how I wish I, I wish I could give you an answer is you know try to maintain the leverage that uh our job is to you know grow the plants and grow the crops that people want and or need to have grown right and uh we're going to use all available tools we're going to follow the letter of the law and uh hopefully we're able to respond accordingly when the time comes that hey we need to do something different but only for good reasons only for good reasons and not just for uh personal or uh selfish reasons by those who are in power so we'll see what happens i i wish that more stuff like this would come out and i wish more people would think about it like this unfortunately i don't have high hopes so we'll see what happens yeah i'm right there with you uh on, wow, in, in, same here 
<laughs> the this is pretty interesting here, and uh, and what I love, what I love about this is, an educated member of the community is the one who's raising the alarm. And the article headline reads this, Aging artificial turf fields may carry risk of head injuries. A Charleston mother sounded the alarm after a popular athletic field repeatedly failed shock absorption tests. Uh, artificial athletic fields nearly ubiquitous across big t cities and small towns have weathered a lot over the years and not just the legions of stampeding children. Critics have pointed to the extreme heat they generate on sunny days when the surface can be more than 60 degrees hotter than the surrounding air or nearby natural gas. Studies have linked unforgiving turf to a higher incident of knee, ankle, and foot injuries, and there are a growing number of reports tying chemicals in artificial fields to environmental concerns. Now Charleston mother is sounding the alarm about a hazard that has received little attention. Head injuries from hitting the surface of an artificial turf that lost some of its shock absorbency, either from age or lack of maintenance. What I really want is for the kids to be safe, said jo Johanna Hines, uh, whose three children play lacrosse at Charleston High School's aging multipurpose field used for football, lacrosse, and soccer. City records show the popular Boston artificial turf field repeatedly failed a shock absorption test over the last three years, placing thousands of children who've been playing there at a high risk for serious head injury. It's just one of scores of aging artificial turf fields in Boston across the state and country that have not been regularly monitored and tested despite warnings from experts. Tests from 2019 through April of this year revealed sections of the Charleston field exceeded the threshold for safety established by the American Society for Testing and Materials, an international company that develops the standards. Records as far back as September 2019 show the testing company warned the city the field needed to be fixed and replaced as soon as possible, noting that severely diminished shock absorption qualifies as unsafe and for the expectation uh, that life-threatening head injuries may occur. And it goes on and on and on. And uh, and this is a very real thing. And you see a lot of this shock uh, impact testing take place on uh, um, uh, in, in the NCAA and, of course, the NFL. Um, I've seen at University of Tennessee one of the testing uh, 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 tri-folding, uh, well, tripods that they, that they use to simulate head impact. Uh, so I know the research is out there and the re research is being done. It's interesting, though. It's interesting that a mom of children who are out there playing to uh, to really get in the in the grind on this. And I'm I'm impressed. Kudos to her. Uh, in my opinion, this lady is a is a rock star. Yeah, she's trying. I mean, she's she's trying. she's trying. Well, she doesn't want her children to end up bone vegetables, because that can be the end point of a head injury. And conversely, uh, are you all familiar with uh, that delayed syndrome that results from too many con concussions? Yeah, CTE. 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 Yes, I mean, CTE has been suspected in numerous uh, bad, thing ha bad things happening to retired football players, for example. And, yeah, and those are just the ones and, you hear about. Those are the ones you hear about, and the others are just so tragic. And to me, I always thought, okay, What's going on with these guys? They got it all. Why are they self-destructing so, you know, violently and dramatically? And it, you know, part of the piece of the puzzle is, hey, they got hit on the head too hard too many times. I mean, 
that's got to got to cause some pretty significant brain damage because yeah. some of what they do i mean you got to ask i mean is this the the actions of somebody who is brain damaged and so i just uh, have to say we got to look at what is the safety of these artificial turf surfaces you know both now and later i mean okay let me let me put it to you this way can we put artificial turf under the same scrutiny of risk versus reward long term and short term that we do to the maintenance of natural turf grasses because i know that that is under fire where at least here in hawaii i know that synthetic turf surfaces are seen as the answer to the sins of natural turf so yeah, which, can we put that under examination demay you deal with this a lot talk talk to me about your experience on this side of things I mean, it's 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 not good, uh, and, and that's not to say that all synthetic is bad and this, that, and the other thing. I think the the thing that's not good is that the follow up uh, testing protocols and not only testing but uh, uh, you know remediation. Right, if there is an issue, what do we do? Right, how do we get? You know, clearly you saw here in the article in Charlestown and Mass. You know, they've got a field that failed three years in a row. And it seems like nobody was really doing anything, you know, related to that. So, you know, it signals a couple of things. It signals, one, that the maintenance on the fields were not great. Like, it doesn't necessarily, it, it's not a straight line like, hey, at year eight, the field's going to start failing, and that's just it, right? You know, there's a lot of things when it comes to, you know, the construction methods and things like that that could be uh, used, right, to stave that off, right? But uh, a lot of it comes down to maintenance and and quite honestly, you see a lot of these uh, facilities switch over to it because what do they say? Oh, we can't take care of grass. You know, we just can't do it. And that's fine, but you still have to take care of this stuff. And so whether it's, you know, uh, ignored, uh, whether it is uh, not made a priority, right, because, well, eh, it's terrific. It's it's still going to be there. It's still green every day no matter what. Um, you know, we see this more often than not. We see this in a lot of cases where uh, these fields become you know, too hard, right? And essentially from a, a, either a lower extremity or a head injury uh, situation, you could have uh, more injuries on these fields. And so I guess the bottom line is this, is if there is a, uh, if there's a field in your community, and if you're a, you know, an applicator, you listen to this and you know that, hey, you work with the high school that, hey, they switched over to turf on the football stadium, let's say, but you still treat all their practice fields, their baseball fields, you know, whatever the case might be. Just ask them, hey, when was the last time that you had, and, the, and the, the, uh, the test that they run is what's known as G-Max, G-M-A-X, and that tells you uh, yep. the surface hardness that, that, that's on that field. And so we could go into and talk more about the science. It's not worth it at this point, but all I'm asking is everybody in every community just to ask, hey, when was the last time that test was done, and are you keeping up on your maintenance uh, in order to make sure that this field is safe for our kids to go out there because, as Ray was saying, Lots of NFL athletes with CTE uh, that have come to the forefront, been in the news, everything like that. But I can assure you there's scores of others, right, that were in high school, uh, you know, college and whatnot that don't get the notoriety 
uh, that that the NFL guys do that suffered the same fate, unfortunately. And so, actually, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, I gotta tell you, there was a very notorious case of suspected CTE right here in Hawaii. Is that uh, Junior Seau? Was that out there? No. No, Colt, Junior, Colt Junior, Brennan. Go ahead. Oh, Colt, oh Colt Brennan. yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, I mean, in in his career at the University of Hawaii, that boy took some extremely hard shots on the artificial turf surface at Aloha Stadium. I mean, that guy got hammered. I mean, he got his clock cleaned so many times, and then after. He stopped playing football and, you know, grew up, became an adult. It seemed like his life should have been great, but instead it turned into a spiral of tragedy. And I have to wonder how much of that has to do with him getting blown out the... Uh, on that artificial turf surface uh, week after week uh, for four years straight. I got to wonder. Yeah. Just yeah. asking. <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, there, there's, yeah, there's, there's terrible stories of that. There's ter- stories of, like I was saying about Seau, like you mm-hmm. know, committed suicide, unfortunately, and, and shot himself in the chest so that they could study his brain to figure out like, so yeah, we've gone yeah, down the deep, dark yeah. hole. Oh yeah. This is dark. This is uh, dark. Let's let's sprinkle a little sugar on it and uh, talk about the sweet returns. Why hot foam could be the weed killer of the future? A biodegradable foam could be more effective weed killer than Roundup. Study suggests... Like many human inventions, pesticides come with numerous benefits at a high cost. Just like plastics are simultaneously useful and toxic, the chemicals we we spray to kill bugs, weeds, and fungi can protect our farms, but wreak havoc on the planet and our bodies. Hmm. Uh, But it's not like we can simply allow our fields to be overrun by pests. The resulting decline in crop production would likely trigger mass starvation. Without the use of pesticides, there would be a 78% loss of fruit production, a 54% loss of vegetable production, and a 32% loss of cereal production. That's why finding effective alternatives to the most toxic pesticides are crucial. Not only would it slow the devastating rate of insect decline, which could destabilize the planet's entire ecosystem if not addressed, but also more environmentally friendly pest control would improve soil, air, water quality while making the food more safe to consume. I, I read that there may be something here that I'm going to I'm going to kind of buzzle on a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, the foam called foam stream V4 creates a sizzling envelope that suffocates and destroys the unwanted plant. It's already commercially available and is made from a blend of plant oils and sugars derived from corn, wheat, rapeseed oil, coconut oil, and potatoes. Hot foam could be an effective alternative to glyphosate and the widely used ingredient in Roundup, which has uh, been found in urine of 80% of Americans. While some research on foam stream V4 has been uh, done before, previous experiments have been small land controls and were focused on large scale agriculture. So that's what they did. And, uh, and they were showing some uh, some good things on uh, some, uh, some some charlock mustard, uh, some cheese weed, and uh, some burning nettle, some lichwort, and some catch weed. Uh, so so good good some decent information coming in on there. Now, 
this is, this is me being a dick, okay? And I just, I want to get that out there. Uh, and one of y'all may be able to answer this. I don't know. When I think of foam, I'm thinking of, of, of you know, t- typically some sort of, of soap-like material, right? And if this is suffocating a plant, um, couldn't this also be used as uh, an insecticidal soap of sorts? I'm just asking. Yes. Yeah, it's an insecticidal soup, but then the me, I've looked into this uh, kind of weed control technology, Matt, uh-huh. and the main point of this is that the foam supposedly is able to transfer a lot of heat to a weed. However, this is a caveat now, Matt, that foam, that hot Soapy foam applied to a weed only destroys the green tissue or the foliage that it touches. It does nothing to the roots because, you know, when when people talk to me about these non-chemical weed controls that involve heat, I always keep in mind that most of these technologies are only capable of just instantly denaturing or cooking the green tissue that is touched by that application and no more. I mean, I I have to kind of think of weed control in terms of is this killing the roots? I always keep that in mind. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll say this, too, is that is this something that could be used in addition to something systemic and cut down on the reliance of something systemic? And I, I think that is particularly interesting as well. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is that the reliance on something like this, a technology like this, as the sole tool in your toolbox is going to end poorly. But. To both of your points, I think there is a place, you know, uh, Ray, if we were going to use this in, uh, you know, some uh, DM stuff, right? Some vegetation management in certain areas or whatever, <laughs> where maybe, hey, we're, we're near a stream, we're near something else, right? And we just want to, just want to, just want to touch the tip, you know, nothing else, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing down deep, like, but uh yeah, so I think there's there's a use case for it. I think this is what we're going to see, though, guys. Like, you know, we were just talking a minute ago about, you know, the change that needs to happen and things like that. It's going to be – and here's the other thing I think, too, is I doubt that we'll see something that is so uh, widely accepted and become so ubiquitous like what we have with, with pesticides because, you know, there's a use case for those pretty much wherever you go. This might not work, right, in certain areas of the country, like in Ray's spot where, you know, uh, you could spray something with a pesticide and it might come back, you know, within days to weeks, right, unless you're using Ray's especially, stuff. Especially if you don't know what you're doing because I have a lot of experience, for example, using heat-based weed controls, and I do them when... Using a herbicide, for example, would not be responsible. Hey, I mean, there's a use case for uh, what I call the Red Dragon. And the Red Dragon is the brand of a propane torch. (laughs) 
Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ray also loves the smell of napalm first thing in the morning as well, too. Uh, Ray, Ray uh, has a whole... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Lawns are dumb, but ripping them out may come with a catch. Uh, it turns out, gotcha, uh, old, old, old boy here who wrote this, and, and let me tell you, this guy is... Uh, is I'd, I'd have a beer with him. Probably not. Um is uh he, boy he really hates yards but uh here here's the problem good riddance to lawns but urban planners may need to in, uh, navigate a potential catch Turfgrass does one good thing in fact it does a, a hell of a lot more than one good thing but this is the only thing that he could come up with probably because the the glasses on his face are so tight they're squeezing on his frontal lobotomy there um um as plants photosynthesize, they spit out water vapor along with oxygen, cooling the surrounding air. This is known as evapotranspiration. Because of the sweating, rural areas can be up to 20 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than adjacent cities, where a built environment uh, that's largely asphalt and concrete instead soaks up the sun's energy. Accordingly, uh, scientists are encouraging city planners to, to deploy more green spaces to attenuate this urban heat island effect. Ripping out lawns could actually create a little bit more heat. A little bit. That's... Oh, it's, a, yeah. it's an interesting, interesting way to, to put that there. Suggests a new small-scale study in the Journal of Hydrology. On a hot summer day on the Arizona State University campus, scientists monitored three sites of different kinds of landscaping. On one end of the spectrum was a lush mesic version with lots of turf grass trees and other water-intensive plant species. On the other was a xeric uh, version with desert species, which provide nice flowers and native pollinators and branches for birds. These desert plants need less water and can also be hydrated with targeted drip irrigation instead of spray with a lawn sprinkler. Splitting the difference was an oasis plot, which mixed species with high and low water needs. Researchers found the lush mesic plot to be the coolest thanks to evapotranspiration of all of its water-demanding plants. The air temperature of the more sparse xeric plant was on average 5.4 degrees Fahrenheit hotter than the other two, but it also required less water because its native species are adapted to the parched desert climate. Overall, the oasis being... A little bit of the middle ground, providing cooler temperatures in the Zarek while using less water than the grass-heavy mesic. On the plots of land at AOSU, at least, the ideal landscape might be a little bit of grass mixed with native vegetation. It doesn't provide the major water savings of biodiversity boosts of an... I'm not even going to continue to read this because it is so fucking slanted, it's infuriating that he cannot give just a neutral view of this and state what it is. He just has to continue to shit on lawns through the entirety of the thing. And that's... I'm not going to make it personal. I was about to say something horrific. And I, I, I opted not to at the last moment there. Um, but, I, you know, again, here we go with, with one of those things where it's all great and fun and practice, and let's just rip out all the grass and put it back in. And here we're seeing a 5.4-degree Fahrenheit difference between the two. And, and if I recall correctly, like the thing we're all wigging out about right now is a couple degrees centigrade in, in terms of, uh, of, of rising uh, uh, average temperatures. Temperatures, in, in my, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, yes, 5.4 right. degrees Fahrenheit to Celsius. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Uh, does, any, does anybody know what that, what that looks like? Say, say if we go from... Uh, 81 degrees Fahrenheit uh, to 86 degrees Fahrenheit. That would be five, right? So what is 86 degrees uh, Fahrenheit to uh, to Celsius? Uh, that would be 30 degrees Celsius. And then if we were previously at 81, uh, uh, whoops, I, that's that's uh, I'm. Calvin. Lord have mercy, Matt. Jeez. Typing like a child here. So that would be 2.8 degrees uh, Celsius difference there that, that we just moved. Wow. Wow. 
And I, and if I recall correctly, that's within the realm of like, holy shit, the world is not in a good state. Uh, if we're if we're shut it all down, years. right? So, yeah, yeah, right. So right Matt? I, shut it I'm, shut it all down. <laughs> now again, you know, you've got you've got stories on both sides, and the truth therein lies the middle. Is typically how how we hear about these things, right? And I th- I think this time's g- up. It's th- over. Th- we're seeing someone literally shoot themselves in the foot on the previous policy of ripping it all out and going with the xeriscaping at the at the expense of saving water. When in reality, what we've done here is we're creating these massive hot spots that are showing, you know, five degrees Fahrenheit difference on average. Now, granted, this is ASU and it says this is only one study. And I'm fairly certain if we replicate this, because I mean, just logically, you can think about this and understand how it works. And then we're not even taking into account the filtration effects that occur of filtering things that come from impervious services as it runs across turf grass areas and gets a place to deposit and, uh, and, and safely stored there where it's not going to end back up in our drinking water. So I, I don't know. I, this, this is uh, did did old did old boy did old boy just shoot himself here? In the I think he did. I in the yeah. Foot. I think in he did because uh, this uh, this article is basically whether he knows it or not is vindicating maintained turf grass areas as number one a buffer uh you know against heat because. You know when somebody, for example, tells me their turf grass is getting enough water? Do you know what one of my tests is? What's that? I step out into I step out into that area during the middle of the day and if I'm dying from how hot it is, I look back at them and I say, Nope, this grass is not getting enough water. And the reason why I can tell is because well-watered grass is a little bit cooler than surrounding. So right there. And next, other issue that you touched on, Matt, is turf grass normally serves as a very good filter for environmental contaminants. Uh, Rock, inert rock is not for example a good filter in fact Mm -hmm. even here in hawaii did you know that we also have restrictions on creating areas near waterways or surfaces that drain off into the into the storm drain system that are not composed of grass or vegetation did you know that we have those restrictions not surprising. Yeah, and that is because it is acknowledged that grass or green vegetation is one of the best filters for environmental contaminants versus rock or some kind of a xeriscape surface. Maybe old boy will come on the show, Matt. What do you think? We'll get him on here. Uh, yeah, we can certainly try. I'm fairly certain this guy would watch about 30 seconds of clips and then and then report us to YouTube uh, as a <laughs> some sort of you, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, these domestic terrorists—they are without a doubt QAnon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, 
I don't even know why I said that. Uh, uh, okay, then uh, I'm. We were so far over time. I'm going to skip the last one here, and uh, we will we will pick that up in the next week. Um, and, and we're going to answer a question from Jay Andy. We've got not about you. We've got a guy that's that's going to be coming on. Oh, I'm actually going to apply to this guy privately uh, because I don't want to talk about that publicly. This is not the place for it, so I'm not going to. Uh, Jay Pink, if you don't mind, forward that email to me, and I will. I'll take care of that uh, privately. It's it's nothing. It's totally work related, and I I don't I don't want to do it on the show. Um, mm -hmm. All right, that is it, uh, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me tonight, and uh, and thank you for our patrons for allowing us to do this. We are going to go hang out with them and let them pick the title of this week's show. We love y'all. We'll catch you on the flip side.